Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Dukes and Bell. We're going to get to the Falcon Report coming up at 520, but as we hit the 5 o'clock hour, you guys know what time it is. We start off every day and every hour by saying, hey, man. Glad that you are here. Our Hawks put in work last night. Was that an impressive win? I mean, probably the most impressive win of the season. And I told you guys yesterday, it was a big game for Trey. It's a big game for our team. Four wins in a row now, and I'm hoping we can build on it. We get the uh, Knicks tomorrow at home, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 tip, and then we get the Hornets on Saturday night. We're going to talk more about that coming up because the game last night was one, I thought, in which Trey just didn't press. Right. And, you know, the 18 points, 12 assists, I'll take that any night of the week. Other guys have to step up. We've said this. And, and in years past, just the short period in which Trey's been here, I don't know if we win that game last night, if he didn't score 35 or 40 points, because I think he would have been shooting late mm-hmm. in the game, trying to make sure that we maintain the lead. He wasn't worried about that. He had his guy DJ going off last night. He's fitting in the ball, Mike. Yeah, and I don't know if that's something to do with him, the fact he rolled his ankle about halfway through the first half, and then he kind of maybe changed the way he was going to approach it. Because let's be honest, you just laid out a scenario that kind of looks like what Luca was doing. Luca was just throwing chucking threes right over the uh, half-court line, and nothing was going in down the stretch. Yeah, it was one of those games in which – you felt good. I know I did at the end where you said, you know what? Man, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Everybody's out there. Everybody's contributing. Let's hope we can continue to put this together and build on it. 404-741-0929. It is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. You can always text the show. We're going to talk with our buddy Jason Stark, longtime baseball writer. Jason's been all over the place. He's great, and he writes for The Athletic. He wrote a tremendous piece about ex-Braves general manager John Coppolella and we want Braves fans to know about it because we came across it and we're like, this is great. We got to get Jason on. This story, and Jason, thanks for joining us here on Dukes and Bell. We appreciate it. I know it's been a busy day for you, but this is such a, a personal story and such an interesting story. We felt like we wanted to hear from you about this because John Coppolella now has been reinstated by baseball. Jason, a lot of Braves fans didn't even know exactly what he did. You know, what, what did he do? Well, that's a that's a loaded question, man. But uh, the reason he got suspended for life was not just what the Braves did in Latin America back in the, the winter of 2015-16 and then the following winter. The first winter, they underreported the signing bonuses of five 
prospects. And because they underreported those bonuses and kind of shifted the money they spent into the alleged pockets of a player who didn't fall under the international signing rules, it meant that the next year they had they had a much larger uh, international signing pool, and they didn't have any limits on how on, on the size of their signing bonuses. So they went out the next year and were able to sign nine big time players that and they would have been able to sign none of them okay. if they hadn't underreported those bonuses the first winter. Okay, does that make sense? So it does. It does. That that was the that was the basic quote unquote crime. But the reason that John Coppola got suspended for life was not that. The reason was that when baseball discovered this and confronted him he didn't cooperate. He tried to minimize what they'd done. He denied a lot of it. Um, Rob Manfred was basically infuriated by his response to the investigation. And so, you know, it happens a lot in right. in life now, right? The, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. <laughs> and a, a lot of teams had been doing stuff that raised eyebrows, in that part of the world. But at a time when everyone else was confronted with the evidence and told the truth, he didn't. So he got suspended for life. It's not the sentence that other teams, other executives were getting for that crime. I hope I explained that okay. Right. You did. And they had to forfeit uh, 12 of their top prospects, and then the restrictions came down. Because, Jason, we, we, you know, we love our relationship with Alex Anthopoulos, and he's been fantastic. But I always think you know, some people got to remember all these guys came up in the pipeline when he was running player personnel, then later on general manager, assistant GM, guys like Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna and A.J. Minter. These are all guys from Copalello's watch. Yeah, you know, you can look at the the core of the team that won the World Series, and so many of them trace back to not necessarily John Coppolello's time as general manager, but his time of influence in that organization, either in the front office or scouting. So, I mean, he traded for Dansby Swanson. Uh, he traded for Max Fried. Those were two incredible deals. Um he was around when Austin Riley got drafted and Ian Anderson got drafted and A.J. Minter got drafted uh, when Acuna and Albies got signed. He left a huge mark on the team that would go on to win the World Series. Now, we don't know what would have happened if he was still the GM. He, he, he admitted to me in our conversation um, that he didn't know what would have happened. Uh, look, Alex Anthopoulos basically rebuilt the whole roster the whole outfield on the fly in the middle of the, the World Series season. I don't know if any, anybody else does that. Uh, that was brilliant, creative, executive of the year work. But John Coppola was around for the acquisition of so many of those players. You can safely say they don't win the World Series if he hadn't been in that job. Jason Stark joining us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's Dukes and Bell. This is a great perspective piece, guys, introspective piece about John Coppolella. I want to ask you about his rehabilitation because he really opened up to you, Jason, about his life, like what he had to go through. Guys, the only thing I can think about, Jason, and I've said this, whatever it is that you do and you love, and then the next day you realize you can't do it again. 
ever. You can't do it again. And I don't know what that's like, but he said he went through a lot through his personal life, didn't he? Well, I mean, you just described it awfully well. Um, you know, he had the the job that he dreamed of doing from the time he got out of Notre Dame and started working in baseball. And then it all came crashing down. And, you know, that's a moment. <laughs> it's a moment for anybody, but it was a moment for him that once you know the cobwebs cleared and reality sunk in, it made him understand he'd been going down a path that led to no good. It led to this. It, it was a road to nowhere. And so, you know, it doesn't happen for everybody. For him, uh, as best we could establish, as best baseball could establish, it was a wake-up call. It, it caused him to, uh, to totally change his work-life balance, to understand how much he'd neglected his, his kids, his family, uh, to understand that he hadn't been a good leader, he hadn't treated people well, and it was time to reconfigure all of that. Baseball spent two years questioning him, looking into this, to make sure that all the stuff he said he'd done, he he had done, but it checked out. Um, you know, I, I was told he sent them a list, sent Major League Baseball a list of dozens of people he personally apologized to. Uh, many, many, many uh, in the Braves organization associated with the Braves uh, and, and many throughout baseball who had helped him throughout his career. So that was incredible. He also, you know, one of the things that was really eye-opening about this piece was uh, we talked to a professor of business ethics <laughs> at Notre Dame, uh, where he, you know, John Capoeira decided he wanted to reach out to the next generation of of people going into business and tell them, don't make the mistakes that I made. Hmm. So three years he traveled to Notre Dame at his own expense, brought his kids and talk to these students about what he'd done, what he'd done to get, to get to the point where he was the general manager of the Braves, and then all the things that he had done wrong to undo all of it. And it's it, you know it just sounds like it was incredibly compelling to all these students. Let them ask all the questions they wanted to ask. And this professor, Brian Levy, told us, and he teaches in his class all the time, that we understand in life why bad people do bad things. They're bad people. What's harder to understand is that good people sometimes do bad things. And this was an example of that. And just imagine sitting in that class, hearing him speak thinking about that question. Yeah, a guy just lost his dream job, man. If you're just tuning in, guys, it is uh, Jason Stark. He was nice enough to join us on short notice from uh, got a lot, everything, athletic, MLB, he does a million things. It's so important, Jason, we bumped the Falcon Report just for you. All right, next question. He's, it's a great redemption story. Does he get another shot into Major League Baseball? Yeah, that's the, the question that's probably hardest to answer. You know, I did do a little poking around in this, uh, talk to um, several executives whose time in baseball dates back to 
John Coppolello's time, um, people who knew him, dealt with him, uh, knew this would be hard. You know, it's going to come down to multiple factors. I mean, one is, has he built enough relationships within the sport where the, you know, what he did, the punishment he served, the crimes he committed, the trust, the relationship of trust needs to survive all of that. It needs to survive five years outside the sport. Uh, those are really difficult obstacles to overcome. Uh, he clearly burned a lot of bridges. Um, you know, the other thing is the game has. Think about how much the game has changed in the last five years, Carl. Yes, and um, does he bring uh, a way of thinking, a work ethic, qualities to the table that any team thinks are so valuable they're willing to live with the blowback of all the people who will say, you hired that guy? Um, that's going to be hard. I don't know what the answer is. I think what people predicted to me is if he does work in baseball again, he's not rolling in anybody's GM job, you know, or some big assistant GM decision-making position. He'd have to start as a pro scout or some job in scouting and player development where he could demonstrate to the team that hires him everything that he said to us, that he has done right, everything that he told us he changed about his life was the real deal. And there was value in maybe giving him a bigger role. But, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. Um, he Just to find that one entry-level, you know, soft-landing-type job, uh, even that is going to be hard. And I should also tell you that in you know, in extensive exchanges about all this stuff, the one thing he didn't want to really get into was whether he even wants to work in baseball again. But let me ask you, man, how could he not right. now that he's been given this second chance? We know you worked hard on this story. It's a great story, guys. Go read it on The Athletic. It gives Atlanta a little bit better perspective. Mm. And it's a bridge. It really is from – Coppolella, which we were like, what is going on? This organization, and we thought things were crumbling. And give credit to Alex Anthopoulos. They made a great hire, and he's come in and picked up the pieces. But what a great story. Jason, man, always good to talk with you. Know you're busy, bro. Thank you so much. Likewise, I appreciate all the kind words. Thanks. Cool, man. It's great stuff. And again, guys, we said it. You know, you think about all the names. He just gave you the pieces, you know, from Freed and the Dansby deals to Albies, all the things that were on his watch and Acuna. All these things. Minter, again, what a big role he's played. So that's why, I mean, and we don't want to make any, you guys, I think we're disrespecting Alex. You know how no. much we love Alex Anthopoulos, no, no. and he pulled the greatest coup of all time at the trade deadline. That'll stand for history. But I always felt like Alex, I mean, you know, he got a situation where there was a lot of talent here in this pipeline. And Coppola, they made this guy sound like the Antichrist. And I still didn't know what he did. Now you know the whole deal. Didn't come clean when MLB came to his door. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff, man. Go check it out. And by the way, Astros cheating scandal. All those guys got second chances. Mm-hmm. And that was way worse than this. You stole a World Series. So I think somebody along the way will give Copalella probably another chance. All right, when we come back, we got to dive into what we saw last night. It was spectacular. We'll talk about it next on Sports Radio 929 The Game. The strong arm story of the day is brought to you by John Foyt Associates Personal Injury Law. Last night. 
was what it should feel like. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We're talking about our Atlanta Hawks beating up on the Dallas Mavericks. Mike, they got the dub. Our star showed up. He played well. But more importantly, the supporting cast, man. DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray was a dude last night in the fourth quarter, wasn't he? Yeah, man. He was the guy stirring the drink. I mean, some big threes. And one thing you and I have noticed, because we're getting to know DeJounte Murray, the one thing which maybe needs the most improvement in his game is more consistent three-point shooting. And last night, it was happening. It was. He also, at times, deed up Luka Dantich. Guys, he deed him up. Like, he took him out of the normal things he likes to do. I told you guys a couple of days ago about LeBron talking about Luka getting to his spots and being able to just mm-hmm. get to where he wants to on the court. You saw that last night when DeJounte kind of guarded him at times. There is a size differential. But, but he's got the wingspan. He's a pest, though, yeah. Mike. I'm yeah. reaching around. Right. I'm moving my feet. You can't get past me. I just I thought he did a really good job, man. And of course, when uh, when Luca wasn't flopping like a salmon. This is true. He Does he complain a lot? <laughs> you know, I, we all seen it with uh, Joel Embiid. And, you know, sometimes you just think it's like Manlaw, a guy that size. You know, again, he's 6'7", but he just looks ridiculous when he starts doing some of those things he was doing. Always belly aching for the calls. But uh, last night, DeJounte did a great job. I thought the biggest thing, and we'll, we'll talk about it, but I thought the biggest part of this win streak now is now you got Capella back. We're not getting bullied and we're not getting pushed around. There's a size disadvantage against the Mavs and they couldn't really take it to the hole like they probably should have, thanks to Capella. All right, and, and I think there is a huge difference that's going on between our two backcourt mates. I'm talking about Trey and DJ, and I'm going to explain what that four-game stretch has looked like and why they and this team has had success. But I want you to hear Nate, because Nate was talking about Trey's success off the ball. And by the way, give Trey props about his defense, man. He's playing better defense. His steal numbers are up, especially over these four games. But, Mike, last night you saw him fighting through screens. He was working. He's a small guy. When I say that, guys, we're talking about John Stockton. We're talking about Isaiah Thomas. All these guys had to fight through these bigger screens and get through stuff to try to help defend. Trey's doing all of that. I thought he did a really good job last night. Yeah, you mentioned it. Three steals for him last night. And then, again, he did roll his ankles. So whether that was by choice because he wasn't feeling it, he was you know not really going to shoot those three-pointers. He had one late. only shot you could really complain about was that air ball that he put up late in the game. But everything else, Trey was doing what he's used to, you know, getting to the basket. He was 8 for 8 from the line, 12 assists last night. But it was DeJounte. You and I were wondering, how is this dynamic going to work? Sometimes Trey's going to dominate, sometimes DeJounte. Last night was the best of both worlds, and as you pointed out, the listeners did, eight starters and eight players in double figures. That's the key. Here's Nate talking about Trey's success off the ball. You know, when uh, we have a hot hand, he's feeding the hot hand, and he's allowing, uh, you know, those guys who are knocking down shots to uh, play with the basketball. You know, DJ had it going tonight, and Trey was calling his number uh, down the stretch when I put uh, those two back in the game. You know, so it, uh, you know, the, these are the things that uh, we 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 were looking for or have been looking for with DJ and Trey. A few years ago, maybe even last year, we're on the road, tight game, late in the fourth quarter, Trey's shooting probably more than he needs to. And last night, he didn't do that. Not because he couldn't, but because he was trusting that, hey, my guy's going off, we're going to continue to feed him, and then when I need to do what I need to do, Mike, the floater down the lane – to really finish the game at the free throw line, those are Trey moments. He did what he needed to do to finish the game. But mm. I think that is what Nate's talking about. If we can play like that, we're going to be a dangerous team. And that's why I said this is what it's supposed to feel like. Mm. 404-741-0929. Here is what I think the difference is, at least over this four-game stretch. 
Trey's scoring is down, but you're winning. And you're going, wait, how are we winning if he's going, you know, from 27 to 24 game? Well, his steal numbers are up, so the defense is better, Mike. Assists are up. And then for DJ, his total point production is up. He's a 20-point-a-guy night, right? He's 20 a night. He's averaging 25 during this four-game stretch. So his numbers have gone up from a scoring standpoint, and Trey has gone just a little bit down. But it hasn't mattered because it's what you need, that balance, to right. win these kind of games. So the only thing I thought, and we spent so much time, because it's a Luca-Trey battle where you're going to see Luca and Trey swapping threes. No, you didn't. He only took one three-point shot last night to Trey. I think that's a sign. Now let's, all right, of maturity, of the big picture, of – I don't know if he was listening to Nate, but he saw this. He saw which way the wind was blowing, and he became more of a facilitator. Yes, he last did. Night. Yeah, and and let the flow of the game come to you, man. Don't he didn't have to force anything. Let's hear from Trey talking about getting off to a fast start, and I think this is important to Hawks fans. How many uh, days? Uh, uh, how many days <laughs> have Mike and I, Turtle, Bo, played these sound bites for you guys, where I'm crying on the radio because Nate's saying we didn't start fast. Flat. We 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 no we, effort. All that. Right. Lack of tempo. Last night, we started the game the way you're supposed to start a game. Listen to Trey Young. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I mean, I think we did a great job of starting the game out fast again. I think, I mean, that's gotten us these first, uh, I mean, last few wins. I think starting out the game fast is important. And uh, we've been doing a great job doing that. And yeah, man. Uh, unfortunately, so were the maps. It was 40-37, 77 points combined in the first quarter. That's when Carly called my guy and said, hey, uh, what's that going to be for the second half? Because <laughs> right now it's at 233, so they moved it up to 245, and I still got the over. So thank you, my friend. A lot of points scored last night. Um, Trey was asked about how important this game was, Mike. 
in regards to being the Mavs and Luka? It's important. I mean, we. I mean, every game is important. Um, I feel like we dropped a couple at home, and so I mean, you gotta you gotta make up for it somewhere. So uh, I think guys have been locked in on the road recently, and that's 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 good for us. So we just gotta continue to do that and take it one game at a time. Right. Ever since I said fire Nate, they're four and zero. They've been doing well, man. <laughs> now we said this earlier to you. You know, Steve Coonan was like, "Listen, we've got to get healthy." We get Capella back, it will change everything. He did say so that. So how much of that? Now, Capella was on a pitch count last night, 7 to 10 from the floor. He had the usual Clint, like, whoops, moments. When he's, that's the, the breakaway was kind of funny. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you can't have it all. But y'all did go two for two from the line last night, so give Clint some credit there. And Clint said he felt good, so probably could have played even more minutes. I Hack journalism. Thank you, Steve Coonan. I think he is a big part of what we don't acknowledge on a regular basis. And when he was in the game last night, again, those points just came easy. Like, he's picking and rolling and, you know, alley-ooping. And, and I, you know, Jeff Van Gundy was talking about it. He's like, those two, it, it's just different when Clint's out there. Nate McMillan talked about having him back. I want you to hear that. And then I want to go back to that Trey Young soundbite that we just heard. But this is Nate on Clint. Yeah, of course, his conditioning has to get uh, – we have to get that back. And, you know, that's going to take – you know, a couple more games to uh, to do that. But, again, it's good to have him back, uh, you know, to have him out there uh, for the minutes that we have him with Oyeka uh, and have some size out on the floor uh, defending the paint and rebounding the basketball. Now, the other thing last night was uh, we shot just, and we did a great job, we were uh, 50%. From uh, the three-point line, thirteen to twenty-six, and the Mavs are one of those teams. We you know with the, you know, the analytics in the NBA. I mean, it's just a mortar round. Everyone's just throwing them up, and so Jason Kidd was just going off. We're not playing any defense, no defense. He said it looked like a shoot around for the Hawks. But the thing I thought was interesting last night, if I was Jason Kidd, I would have tried to get it inside the paint. They were getting those. Who was it? Was it Wood that got the big dunk? Yeah. There was a couple of dunks in. in uh, some of it was in transition. It wasn't from the half court, but still, I was like. You got a size advantage. Why don't you take it to the hole a little bit more? They were just sitting out there, just camped out, and Luca couldn't hit anything down the stretch. All right, can, can we go back to the uh, the Trey Young soundbite real quick, where he talks about every game's important. <clears throat> where he talks about every game's important. Can I hear that again, please? It's important. I mean, we. I mean, every game is important. Stop it right uh, there. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought the regular season was boring. What a change of heart. Now, did Nick Ressler tell him to say that? I have no idea. <laughs> if he did, I'll get off Nick Ressler's back. But at the end of the day, it is so good <laughs> yes. for him to say exactly that. Right. Every game is important. Wasn't that a Prince song? Accountability. <laughs> it was a Prince song. It's that important. Was, no, that was I mean, controversy. We, I mean, Never every mind. game is important. Thank you, Trey. Every game is important. We're trying to be a top four seed. Mm. Okay. What Last night, you watched this game. You feel like if they play like that, are they a top four seed? Yeah, they get, I mean, that's the kind of total team concept that we've been dying for. I, the only thing missing, you could argue, if, if Trey, now again, maybe they give him a pass for the ankle, but you combine that with Trey really feeling it from three, that's the kind of thing we problem. thought was going to be top four. It's a problem. No, no doubt. Um, poll I'm question. not going to lie, it's a lot more boring than the playoffs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> last year. Poll question is up. Do you think the Hawks will extend this win streak to a playoff run? Challenge for top three seed, that's one of your choices. Top six seed, play-in tournament, or do you think they're going to miss the playoffs entirely? Go vote at Dukes and Bell 929. We're trying to build on this four-game win streak. And listen, we've talked a lot about the drama that's going on or perceived drama, however you want to phrase it. This is about winning. We need to win. 
Yeah, we got to leapfrog a couple of teams. We just beat the Heat the other night. We got the Knicks coming up Friday. You're a game and a half behind them. As Steve Coonan went on Twitter, Steve was chirping. We're just a game and a half out of the sixth seed. <laughs> so if you do that, all of a sudden now. He's yeah. on tomorrow, right? Yes. We'll, we'll right. Show. So I want to hear some yes. of this bravado tomorrow. Yes. No, but the idea, and Steve was on to something. He said, look. <laughs> He was talking about first Capella, and now you get into that six seed, five seed. If we're like the six or five seed and we're locked in like to that position, let's just say, by the All-Star break, we'll get off everybody's back, and I will take back what I said about Nate. I just thought the thing with Trey and Nate had run its course, and that's why I figured Nate have to go. But if, the la- if they played like that last night. If they, they played like this, Mike, they're bottle top this four up, seed. Bottle this up, yes. I- I'm telling you. that, and, and, again, it's not about the individual. It was about the team last night. Guys, the Mavs I'm a were a big the, fan of a happy end. Well, who's we not? all are. The Mavs were in the Western Conference Finals last year. That's a team that it has its own expectations. So that's a good win last night, man. Good win. Let's keep it going. Tomorrow we'll talk about the Knicks being in town. The New York <laughs> Knickerbockers. Yeah, man. And uh, it's going to be interesting. They're still talking about a Cam Reddish trade to Dallas. Uh, they need. To, they got no de- no defense whatsoever. They lost three in a row. All right, coming up, we're going to take a look at what's going on around the NFL. Who the Falcons interviewed today. And Mike just told me something dog fans don't want to hear. It's Dukes and Bell. Lots going on around the NFL today. We're going to let you hear what Brandon Staley had to say about uh, how he looks at this season for the Chargers. You blew it, Brandon. Mm. Um, Today, though, the Falcons interviewed Steelers senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach Brian Flores. Mike, he interviewed for the D.C. job. Now, they just interviewed Vic Fangio, so we're going through the process. Right. Brian Flores, guys, you guys know, going back two seasons ago, right, was the Dolphins' head coach. Things looked like it was moving in the right direction. And then this lawsuit and all the stuff, you know, that came down after his firing, uh, this the sham, you know, interviews, mm. Uh, the situation happened with the Giants, the, the lawsuit. And, you know, again, he got a, another chance to coach here this last season with the Steelers because of Mike Tomlin, plain and simple. Brian Flores is a good coach. Brian Flores knows defense. I don't know, again, where Coach Art and Terry Font know where they want to go with this. But I, the last two days, Mike, either one of these guys I would be pleased with. Yeah, I mean, the thing that got interesting there, he was not sold necessarily on Tua. And he kind of got sideways with the remember the personnel guy. That's why he was kind of he wanted to roll with Fitzpatrick. Remember that uh, the first season. Yep. And then eventually he gets uh, wayward of. I still I still bet you dollars to donuts Ross was deadly serious when he offered. Oh yeah, what you, 100, 100, 100 grand, grand, 100 grand to start losing some games and tag. I when you guys understand this Ross guy's a creep. Anyway, um, I take Brian Flores in a heartbeat. I think he's a great coach. He's got the pedigree with New England. The thing is, and you can, and this is maybe not a knock on Flores, but let's be honest. The coaching tree of Belichick is a stump unless Dable really becomes the man. Yeah. And Dable certainly is pointing right that way with the Giants right now. But maybe Flores is better suited as a D.C. And and I, I think the guy got completely shafted in the end. Like, it's a ballsy move because it's basically career suicide to pursue the route he did. Yeah. I, you want to expose wrong, you know. A lot of people don't because you're afraid. And, and he put his career on the line, right? right. I, I don't know if Brian Flores – we're talking about head coaching jobs, right. guys. I don't know if Brian Flores will ever get another head coaching job. It's going to take time because the same owners that he may be, right. you know, exposing, they're all in the yeah. same room. But, and, but 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 as far as being this position, Mike, no bearing on that whatsoever. Zero, right. zero. Hey, uh, one note. This is kind of Falcons related. I guess I can drop it about uh, the Bucks. They're looking for a new offensive coordinator. 
We saw the Chargers punch out a bunch of dudes from their offense. Well, an entire turnover. Only Todd Bowles has left, basically, in Tampa. And uh, just texted our man J.P. Peterson down in Tampa. I've already seen a bunch of stories online. Todd Munkin, who's making over $2 million as the uh, offensive coordinator for Georgia, apparently they have really locked uh, on Todd Munkin to be the candidate they desire most to be the O.C. for the Bucks. Leave Todd Munkin alone. Get your hands off Munkin. I got to be honest, though. I mean, I know that the, the coffers are pretty full over there, but uh, can you you got to get him to ante up to get him to $3 million? Ooh. I mean, I hate to lose him, especially when you're transitioning to a new quarterback. Well, listen. <laughs> I know that now some guys on Twitter are saying, ah, Kirby will not deal. Saban is, it's, it always sounds great until all of a sudden it doesn't go right. I, I, don't, I want continuity, okay? Yeah, you lost no, no, Lanny, no, no. but you had two other defensive coordinators with Shulman and uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Will Muschamp. This one is different. I don't want to lose, if I'm a Georgia fan, Todd Munkin. No, leave my Munkin alone. <laughs> I, I, um, I think, Mike, if it comes to that, Georgia is going to be willing, if, if that's what it is. Again, I get back to I don't even know if Todd Munkin wants to go back to the NFL right now. Todd, if you're just telling me this is a, a ploy for him to get a raise, and I'm not saying that he did this. Again, if teams are interested in you, because you're damn good, they're interested in you. But if Munkin's just solely going to use this to get more money, my guess is right now, Mike, he could go into Josh Brooks's office and say, I need a little bit more. Look at what we just did. I don't think that's out of the question with where this team is and what he's been able to do. And a lot of guys hit me up on Twitter, follow Carl, and put him up. See, Duke's on Mike Bell ATL. At $2.01 million, is it a better job to go to Tampa Bay when you know the head coach is probably no. going to get fired next year anyway? No. And you're going to be breaking in a rookie quarterback yeah. or, or a, a, a crappy veteran. It's a, it's a different world, man. I mean, and Todd Munkin knows this. I think he's happy. We don't mess with happy. And your team is still going to be very good next year. Right. You got a really good shot at three-peating. You're talking about doing something in college history that's not been done. I think I'm sticking and staying. I think I'm okay where I'm at right now. That's me speaking for Todd Munkin. Hi, Todd. Don't <laughs> mess with my Munkin. The other thing is the Bucks. if you guys remember your Buccaneer history, one Buccaneer place, a couple of years back, they brought in Dirk Cutter, and uh, he was the assistant member to Lovey Smith, and then they moved Lovey out and they made Dirk the head coach. So you could do that. I don't know if Munkin's comfortable being that guy. Hey, Todd, I'm your guy. And then they come to you the next year and offer you the job, <laughs> which the Glazers have already done. Yeah, yeah. Because they're right. creeps, too. They just, they've just they had some good general managers. They've been lucky to have guys like Rich McKay. All right, so that is a story we'll keep an eye out on. But, guys, it's expected. Dogs are good. Coaching staff's good. They're, they're going to try to come cherry pick these guys or at least have some interest. What else is going on around the NFL, Michael? Let's hear from Brandon Staley talking about how frustrated he was with the way the season uh, finished. You think, Brandon? We definitely improved as a franchise this season. You know, we, we took a step as a franchise and we, you know, earned ourselves a, a spot in the tournament. And, you know, I think um, I'm as frustrated as anybody that's a Chargers fan over what happened because there's no one that's investing as much as we are in what happened. Okay. Uh, you got to show me with this guy. You, you got to show me. They fired uh, mm-hmm. their offensive coordinators. They're not the only ones. We find out today a couple of other teams, Mike, firing their offensive coordinators to include the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and Greg Roman was a guy. I got to be honest, he, you know, and but there's some cool things Lamar Jackson put out there talking about, you know, don't uh, talk about this, uh, you know, like he somehow he failed talking about injuries, other issues that they were dealing with. So kind of like, it sounded like he had Greg's back the way I read the He tweets. was like taking blame for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But still, and they're going to allow Lamar Jackson to be involved in the hiring of the new OC. This is the kind of thing you and I used to talk about with Matt Ryan all the time. 
You know, I mean, why bring in a guy like, uh, you know, let's be honest, Sarkeesian got better in the second year, but the 17 defense was the best, and this guy was learning an offense he'd never coached, meanwhile trying to make Matt Ryan work in it. Yeah. So uh, it, is, it makes good sense. And now when do you drop that contract? Because if you're going to allow Lamar Jackson to be involved in that process, which not every team does, you would imagine Carl's going to be more than simply franchise tagging him. Dolphins parted ways with their defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer. It means Mike McDaniel is going to be hiring his own defensive staff and defensive coordinator. So all of this stuff is going on around the league, man. Uh, the Colts completed their interview process today with Jeff Saturday. We brought that up. I said to Mike, is he getting the job? You just feel like there's no way he can get the job. Ursay loves him. Who's to say, hey, we only gave you half a season and it was a crap show when you got here. We believe in your vision. You lost seven games in a row, bro. I know. <laughs> you had one Look, it was the greatest story for about 48 hours when you beat the Raiders. And you made Josh McDaniels look like a knucklehead. And then Jared Carr was crying about that. And then everything else went haywire for, the, for that team. Saturday was living here, as you guys know, living in Atlanta, working as kind of a consultant, advising on the offensive line and some of the things offensively. I just think this is Ursay just doing him a solid, but he's not. Come on, you can't, right. you can't roll Jeff Saturday out there All again. right, so let me ask you this. What looks worse, Mike, the seven-game losing streak by the Titans at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Or a guy who takes the job halfway through and loses seven right. and is rotating quarterbacks. Like, seriously, if you're going to look at that, don't you look at the Titans yeah. situation as what the hell happened there? I, look, we're big fans of Mike Vrabel, but, you know, they had the turnover with the general manager. Remember, guys, all of a sudden you had one of the uh, the owners of the uh, the, the family. Who's the family that took it over? Uh, the daughter was the one that said, why are we just getting beat by A.J. Brown? Oh, yeah. Well, your general manager traded him because you didn't want to pay him a contract and you fired the general manager. That's its own little circus. It was. It and was. And then Ryan Tannehill was hurt, not hurt, hurt again. Everybody wanted to see Malik Willis. He's not even ready to play in the NFL. They, they had to go with no disrespect to another local kid, Joshua Dobbs. But that was, let's be honest, that was going nowhere with Dobbs at the end of the season. All right. Did we mention Bill O'Brien in, in uh, Patriot land today? They said that Bill O'Brien has to interview, which is kind of funny because Belichick's known him for 20 years. But uh, he's been quarterback's coach. He was the OC there all the way back in 11 before he took the Penn State job. But Bill O'Brien... I would imagine if you're Mac Jones, would be heaven to your ears to hear that he's coming because that was a nightmare. Let's be honest. Patricia was out of his depth as an OC this year. Front runner for the job. That also means Alabama's looking for a new OC. Yeah. If if it plays out hey, that way. And you know, Alabama fans, you know what they're saying right now? They're, What's that? They're dancing around the fire right now. They're excited. They don't. They wanted Bill. O- At least the, the lunatic fringe on social media wanted O'Brien out. Uh, y'all are tripping. I mean, y'all, seriously, like Bill O'Brien did a hell of a job. I think, Mike, every coordinator that Saban has hired going back to Lane Kiffin has crushed it. And prior to Lane Kiffin, it was guys like Brian Daigle yeah. that were there. Yeah. I, he's done an amazing – I think he's done an amazing job in hiring the right guy and the mm. next guy. Either way, we'll see. If he's going back to the NFL – uh, O'Brien yeah. is going to end up with the Patriots. All right, coming up, top three at six. We'll get you caught up on the latest stories here on Dukes and Bell. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.